All right, Ollie, we did have a guest plan, one of our AFLW stars lined up for tonight, but it hasn't come through. But fortunately, we have, we've got, we've probably got plenty to talk about anyway with a big win, our best performance of Heaps. the year, and Josh Shackey news as well. How are you going tonight, mate? Very well, very well indeed after that weekend. Mm. That last week couldn't have gone much better. No. And people that say footy's just the game, they're absolutely kidding themselves because yeah. my weekend just changed dramatically. Yeah, for sure. And for the first time in, what, nine weeks to have a win, it was just such a good feeling. And just the way we played, mm. oh, it was really, really good to see. And just that enthusiasm around the group, it was just really infectious. And, yeah, it was just such a good win. We played so well. It's amazing how much of an impact it does have in your life because you just know when yeah. you w- walk into work on a Monday – you just have a completely different mood. You don't want to talk to certain people like the Collingwood supporter in the corner or whatever. <laughs> you just, yeah, it gives you a whole new approach. It's quite sad, but it's also a beautiful thing about footy as well. So we will, yeah, we'll be all smiles this week heading back to work. But, um, yeah, we'll start with, obviously, we won by 57 points, got out to a good start in the first quarter, and then the rain sort of set in. It came to a bit, bit more of a scrappy game, but I thought even though the wet weather set in, we still were really classy with our ball movement. Oh, our ball movement was absolutely terrific, and I think that was something we worked on during the break. It was probably, at times there, it was just the best bit of ball movement I think we've seen probably for really four years since mm. Voss's last year when we had that good patch there towards the end of the season. Yeah. We were just moving the ball so well and not panicking going inside 50. I think that's been a bit of a problem mm. in recent weeks, that when we do have the ball, we just panic. And there's just no direction there. It's just a big, long kick inside 50. Yeah. But on the weekend, we're able to spot up targets, just think through our ball movement going in, but just down the whole field as well. The back end was really solid, really assured down there, and it was terrific to see. I think another point was our ability to run and run in waves. Um, there was always the outlet option, and Frio just didn't chase hard enough, I think, and didn't apply enough pressure. And I think we had, you know, 100-plus possessions. Don't quote me on that. But we also out-tackled Frio as well, which they'd be pretty disappointed in, um, which does lead me to my next point. They were coming off a six-day break and obviously travelling across the country. Do you think, and we came off the bye, do you think that factored into the performance and the output of both teams as well? Oh, maybe a bit, but... I think just the week we had, obviously Josh Jackie re-signing, I think that just gave the whole group, yeah. the whole club, um, a massive boost. And Adam Maramanaus has reported something on the ABC on Sunday, doing a just a review of the whole weekend. And mm. he said something about uh, Shackie. And basically, yeah, Fagan had gone to Shackie after the game and said, well done, young man, you played a... Small part in this win today, your signatures put a smile on everyone's face around the club. And I mm-hmm. think just it was just the weight off everyone's shoulders because it just played such a massive part during the week. Uh, well, for weeks on end, probably the whole season. Mm. And then that was sort of the release we needed. Yeah, for and sure. And it was just that freedom we went out there and, and played terrific footy. Mm. Yeah, people are always going to say, oh, yeah, Freo, they've got the the longest road trip in the AFL and they're coming mm. up a six-day break, a hard game against Collingwood. So, yeah, it might have come into it. But I think right from the first contest, I could tell that we're on. That mm. The way – I can't remember exactly who attacked that first contest, but 
it was the best I've seen for a while. And I thought went for a pretty good day here. And yeah, yeah, we were really switched on. And I don't think Freya can really use that as an excuse, but no. some people will. But mm. we've just got to take that win because we played really good footy. Um, it wasn't just the quality of the footy as well. Like we've we've seen in patches and in quarters that we've played excellent footy, but it was the consistency, wasn't it? The, the ability yeah. to go through four quarters. There was probably a patch where Freo kicked three straight goals, but even then the game was sort of a bit beyond them. But, um, yeah, by far and away the most pleasing performance of the year and good to finally get a win at the Gabba. You and I had sort of tossed up the idea that it was oh yeah was becoming far from a fortress that we want it to be. But, um, <laughs> We'll move on to the individual efforts, and I'm going to start by throwing up Zorko. I thought he was magnificent and certainly got us going in the first quarter. He actually had an AFL best 10 contested possessions in the first quarter, which is a record, and finished with 30 touches, two goals, one, 10 and five mark and five tackles as well. So a fair game from him. Oh, amazing game, and he was terrific. Before the buy as well against Collingwood, mm. I thought that was one of the best games I've seen him play, and he probably will get a vote in that game, even though it did get beaten pretty easily. Same with Beams, and yeah. again they were both sensational. And to have Rocky in there as well, our first game back for a few weeks. Mm. That midfield looks really imposing when they're up and about, and you've got other guys helping around the contest as well. I know there was one stage there where none of those guys are in the middle. You yeah, had, I, I think Archie well. Smith, Matheson. Um, and there were a couple of other guys in there as well that are not first choice in the midfield, but they were still able to compete. And yeah, no, there's I been no question about those three and what they can contribute. It's just the help they're getting, and mm. they got that on the weekend. And you really saw them shine. And yeah, Zorko, he has to be considered an Australian at this stage. He's been so consistent and he's starring. And finally, he's being talked up in the Melbourne media for, for what he is, and he's a star. I love the commentary line people are constantly using yeah. the last few weeks. Is like, if he was Victorian, he'd be, you know, a superstar. It doesn't matter where he comes from. He's a superstar. He's, awesome. he's a superstar. It's just <laughs> ridiculous, this that. Victorian bias. But anyway, hopefully he does get a look in for all Australian honours, at least the squad, because he certainly is in that category. And, you know, to have more than a goal a game and, you know, the 30 touches and also the, the defensive side of the game as well. He's pretty – he's been huge for us. No, um, he's such a well-rounded player now. To be in the midfield getting 30 possessions every week, mm-hmm. tackling, clearance work and kicking goals as well. Yeah. You I can't think, really ask for much more from a midfielder. I think at the back end of his career, we're going to have some pretty exciting years when he's just playing as a forward pocket and we can just watch him, you know, oh, crumb. Absolutely. Crumb, Josh Shackey, and Eric Hipwood up forward. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, yeah. You mentioned Beams, who was prolific again with 36 touches. I thought another big game in what's been a pretty been a very good year for him. Louis Taylor kicked four and probably could have had five or six, but finished with 20 touches as well. He was pretty impressive. Yeah, he's been great this season, Louis Taylor. Obviously, rising star a few years ago, probably stagnated a bit. Didn't go on to the heights that we might have expected from him, but he was terrific mm. on Saturday night. And mm. yeah, like you said, he probably he should have finished with five or six. There was one goal he tried to go for the dribble kick, and Fagan absolutely <laughs> lost it in the coaching box, as vision, I think most supporters it? did as well. But mm. yeah, he'll learn from that, and I'm sure, I'm sure Fagan will be speaking to him this week about that and just say. 
you had a really good game, mate, but mm. just listen to Jason Dunstall and kick it in the air. Don't <laughs> want any of that dribble rubbish. That's just right. kick it in the air. Um, another player I thought had the best game for the club was Jake Barrett. He finished with two goals too. Again, like Louis, probably could have had three or four, but also had 24 touches. Um, really applying that defensive pressure up forward and getting some nice rewards with a couple of goals as well. Oh, Jake Barrett's been such a great pickup, and you know what you're going to get from him. Yeah. He just attacks the footy really hard, and he never stops trying. He's just one of those really tireless workers, and when he gets an opportunity, he usually finishes. Mm. I think it was in that second quarter there, he marked right on the line, had a really tough snap. Good snap, yeah. And was able to convert it, and he, yeah, he's very smart around goals. It gives us that defensive pressure, and he's just getting better and better every week, and yeah, Considering we got him from GWS for, for not much at all, he's been a superb pickup. Yeah, great pickup off the rookie list. And I think you can see where the improvement's going to come with him. He just needs to be a bit cleaner and take his chances. Yeah. And, you know, he's only played the handful of games this year. And you, that's going to come with experience. It's like what we see with Hugh and Jared Berry. Just because he's been in the system a few years doesn't mean he's not young. So... Plenty of good signs to look forward to there. Um, any other individuals that you wanted to highlight before we move on again? Yeah, probably McStay and Mays. Yeah. They're ones as well. I was talking to Morgs on Twitter, and, yeah, he mentioned some of those guys, McStay, Mays, Nick Robbo. Mm. They've just really come a long way under Lepich, and I thought – I think Mays especially, he was – I thought he was going to be a genuine superstar in that first year under Boss. He was yeah. terrific and showed some really good signs. And yeah, there was the, the contract um, negotiations there that probably, yeah, halted him back. And supporters probably thought I was going to leave. And mm. he wasn't playing the best footy, got dropped a couple of times. But I think he's come along such a long way and he's been developed properly now. Yeah, for Fagan. sure. And I think we're seeing the benefits of that. He, had a really good game on the weekend, efficient with his ball use, and just really smart player. I couldn't agree more. The whole defensive group I thought was awesome. Like Harris Andrews gave Cam McCarthy a complete bath. Um, Nick Robbo, as you said, Mays. Darcy Gardner was good. Ryan Lester had some time in defence as well. It was pretty good. And Paparone mopping up as well. I, I still don't quite understand Paparone's role, but he's sort of no. does his, he does his job and... <laughs> You know, he's pretty effective at it, so yeah. given the benefit of the doubt there. Um, well, it's hard to fault anyone from the weekend, really. No. It was just a genuine team performance, and like we were talking about before, it was the first game for the year where we just did play, mm. and there wasn't a dramatic drop-off for, for 10, 15 minutes that was going to cost us the game. Yeah, that's right. There were a few times there, probably in the second quarter, where I thought, oh, here we go again. Mm. And, yeah, the second quarters has obviously been just terrible for us the last couple of years. Yeah. But we're able to regroup every time, not have that dramatic drop-off across the board for 10, 15 minutes where it gets away from us. And, you know, I think everyone stood up and they should be really proud of themselves for how they played. But at the same time, that's the level they can get to now. And I think that's going to give them so much confidence going forward. Yeah. Fremantle was in the eight. Yeah, before, that's right. For the weekend. They didn't have the best percentage, didn't have the greatest run, mm. but they're still in the eight. They're still capable of playing some good footy, so mm. it's a great win and 57 points. Yeah, they're going to take a lot of confidence out of that, hopefully, and for the back half of the season. 
No, you bang on about the spreading the load thing. I mentioned to you off air that I don't feel good about you know playing two rucks with Archie Smith and Steph Martin because Steph does so well one out. But I thought both of them were great, and especially Archie as well up forward. He sort of has you know the double efforts and looks pretty good in the air. And um, back on the point of spreading the load, like Eric Hipwood, our focal point, kicked one goal and we've yeah. kicked 120 points. So. Yeah, no, definitely pleasing signs there. Um, to say we needed it would be an understatement. It's been a, it's been a tough few weeks and it seems like the buy... I think everyone's needed it. No, for sure. And it seems like the buy came at a really good point for us. And hopefully we can get some more bright spots in the back end of the season. We've got Port next week and I think some other tricky games like a Geelong might be coming uh, GWS. Well. GWS, yeah. Um. Yes, yeah, so Port, GWS, and then Essendon, actually, at Etihad. So, hopefully a few more upsets on the horizon. Um, moving on to the other massive news story of the week was Josh Shackey. It was a bit of a surprise when it came through. Sort of out of nowhere, you know, it's sort of the communication being, you know, just putting it off, putting it off, and then, yeah, what was it, Thursday at my desk, I nearly fell off the yeah. chair. Um. Yeah, so two-year contract extension for him is really exciting news for the fans, isn't it? Yeah, it was definitely unexpected with the timing. Mm. I don't think anyone really saw it coming on that day and as soon as it did. Mm. We thought maybe a few weeks there might be some sort of decision at the end of the season. Yeah. But I think this is a really good example of supporters not buying in to all the media speculation around. Yeah, for sure. Just with how big AFL media is now, you've got Fox footy, you've got a 24-hour news cycle. There is a lot of talk that gets thrown around. Mm. And I think some supporters were buying into that. And Josh was actually probably copying it. Yeah, for sure. People thought, okay, he's gone. I'm hearing Caroline Wilson, hearing Jared Whateley say he's gone for sure. And... They were buying into that, and that wasn't good for Josh. wasn't good for his family. I saw a few comments on Facebook that were just like, I couldn't believe what people were saying because like, in my role, my day job as a journalist up in Shedden, which is not too far away from Seymour, I was hearing some pretty positive things that mm. Josh probably would stay, and it would take something pretty dramatic for him <clears throat> to actually leave the club. Mm. He's got the connections there, and... It was such a great thing that the club just let him go back to Seymour for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Everyone in the media saw that as just, he's gone, he's going away, he's not going to come back, not getting to see any side again. Yeah. But it seems like this ideal thing for him. He's gone back home, talked with his family. He's come back to the club refreshed and he's ready to sign. Yeah, it seems to have worked wonders. But it wasn't just about, you know, Josh going away because Hugh McCluglidge a few weeks before that, had actually gone home for a week and had a week at home and done yes. all that. So I think that got a bit misconstrued and how it was communicated out by media outlets. But um, you're completely right about you know buying into too much of what's being said publicly because I think most of the journos, and not to totally discredit them, but I think a lot of them were just saying it because you know it was Brisbane. It's the narrative that's been going on for years. You know, first round picks leaving and whatnot, and. It's a bit of a case of Chinese whispers, really. Yeah, One for journalist sure. said it, and then they were just buying along into mm. that. Oh. 
Um, but to your credit, must pay you credit, you were pretty firm and adamant all along that he would be hanging around. So well done to you for sticking to your guns. I must admit, yeah. I think there was a point when Caroline Wilson said, you know, he'll be at Richmond. I think I lost a bit of confidence. But I was always optimistic, so very excited that it's come out. Um, I suppose it's worth talking about how it all played out and I suppose the manager's role in it. How do you see it played out? Because I think the manager made a bit of a hash of things, if I'm honest. And how it was publicly played out, you know, in the media with reports of five-year deals at Richmond and Collingwood getting involved. And I think the manager, and he is an inexperienced manager, probably got a bit lost. Yeah, it seems like it was that way. But at the same time, Josh did seem like an easy target. Brisbane seemed like an easy target because he was the only one getting the sort of intense speculation around him at this time of year. But, mm. yeah, I think the manager probably, if he had his time again, would do things a lot differently. Mm. Some of the, the comments he was saying through the media didn't sound great, Yeah, to be honest. And fans probably would have seen those comments, read those comments and thought, okay, this doesn't sound good at all. And, yeah, like you said, those big deals that were, were spoken about, that's not great at all. But at the same time, Greg Swan actually said in his press conference on Thursday, I might not have been the press conference, but he did say somewhere in the media that... He did. Yeah, David Trotter, his manager, does deserve a bit of a pat on the back for how he handled things. So um, maybe there's more that we don't know about, but I think at the same time, even he would probably say, okay, Josh is a young kid, he's only 19. I probably could do things a bit differently, but yeah, yeah. at the same time, he's signed and that's all that matters really. And I'm just glad he's at the club for another couple of years at least. On that comment that you brought up that Swan said about Trotter, I also got the feeling that, you know, Swan's not going to come out and say like, you know, Trotter's an idiot because A, we've got to go through this with McGluggage next year, the same manager, and B, yeah. it's a two-year contract, so it's going to come up again yeah. in the not-too-distant yeah. future. So I was a bit... Yeah, I didn't go to look too much into that comment. but um, No, you're right. Another factor I did think of in terms of the manager botching it was, I remember, I haven't looked up the news article, but I remember pretty clearly that as soon as Josh was drafted, Brisbane tried to extend him on a multi-year deal and I think four or five years might have been thrown around at that time. Yeah. So do you think now for Josh to settle for two is, you know, sort of cut his arms off a bit you know, left a lot of money out there? Or do you think this is, you know, a good move for him, reassess the market in two years when he was sort of should should have shown a bit more? You know, we all know that key forwards and key position players take longer to develop. Um, so, yeah, I guess do you, do you see that as a good move or do you think it's a missed opportunity that he's left money in years on a contract? Well, yeah, now that you say it now, I had... Totally forgotten about that, but yeah, there was that five-year deal thrown around, and that was that was serious, and that yeah. was fairly decent money for a guy that hadn't really proved himself yet. So yeah. he probably has cost himself a bit, mm. and I think at the time, yeah, they didn't really want to even talk about it. It wasn't okay. It was a five-year deal, but yeah, we'll just see how it goes at the end of next year when he when he's out of contract. So mm. yeah, five years it would have looked pretty attractive, and. He's only settled for another two-year contract, so yeah, yeah, he probably has balls it up a bit. 
I'll um I'll try and find the that link to that story for our listeners when I tweet out the the pod. But um, what was I going to say? He did make his return. No, I, I clearly remember now that the five year deal. Yeah, I was pretty sure that was at least four was, or five. It was it was five. I remember because we we reported it on it in the Shepherd News as well. So oh, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I think before we move on, it is worth noting that it is a big tick for the culture and the the. I suppose the um, environment that Fagan and Noble have brought in that a he's resigned for t- resigned for two years and b he's thrown back offers big money offers from his home state to be with this group. I think that's a real positive step in the right direction and probably something that wouldn't have happened a few years ago. Not at all, and really since 2013, which is really bad. We all know it. Mm. We don't have to keep going back on it, but since then. I we think lost even Aish. under Leper, like we lost Aish, but really I think we're going to win it out of that long term. Yeah. So I think, yeah, for, for Josh to re-sign when everyone was so clear in their mind that he was leaving, mm. it is just huge. Yeah. It's huge. And next time a player comes up, I don't think intense speculation will be – yeah, it won't, the speculation won't be as intense next time just because Josh has re-signed and everyone went all guns blazing saying he was going. So uh, it's a massive tick for the culture. And mm. Fagan, Noble, we're not inside the club, but no. all the talk, everything coming out of the club is they're doing a terrific job and I don't think they can really be doing much more at the moment. And no, it's really it's positive. Obviously a great place to be despite... Yeah how we've gone on the field this season. We've had nine losses in a row, but yeah, the the talk was it wasn't a place that it felt like a bottom of the, the ladder club. Mm. It was it was still positive and that showed after the weekend. Um, we'll wrap up the Josh Shackey discussion by talking about his comeback. He came back through the Neeful on the weekend in the game the Lions won 85-80, to 80, a late goal from, I think it was Josh Walker that put them in front. Um we talked off air that we thought it might have all sort of clicked into place once you know the spec the contract speculation sort of sorted itself out. But um, it looks like statistic wise, anyway. Obviously, there's not much footage going around of the game. He was pretty quiet again with six touches or behind. Um, I think five marks. If I'm reading this correctly, yeah, five marks and a couple of tackles. So um, wait to hear more from the reports because I haven't personally seen too much. I don't know if you have, but um. Another quieter game from Josh. Yeah, we thought maybe with sort of the weight off his shoulders that he might just come out and, and go bang and get mm. in some really good form. But, yeah, that obviously didn't happen. And that just yeah backs up Fagan's call not to bring him straight back into the, the senior side because mm. it could have been very easy for him. Like, okay, he's re-signed now, put him straight back in. But yeah. to play him in the knee fall, I think that was a good move. So he's going to take a few more weeks to, to yeah, get back up sure. going. Had the, the couple of weeks off. So it was a really high-quality game by all reports. Like you said, there isn't much vision going around, but I think it was a record 43 AFL-listed players mm. on the field, and that, that yeah, is a record for the NEFL. So, yeah, terrific game and terrific that we were able to win the game too by five points. But, yeah, yeah. it'll take Josh a few weeks, but he'll get back to that form that we know he's capable of. 
Um, the Neeful team is doing very well at the moment. They're in third place behind the Swans reserves team and Sydney Uni, who have a few handy players like Xavier Richards and um, who's that fella that played in our reserves? Our AFL team, sorry, for a few years. Came from Essendon. Um, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Don't know who you're yes. talking about. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Thinking out loud. He was always, you know, dominating the knee for with like 30 or 40 touches. He'd come into AFL. It was pretty solid, but, you know, always sort of that step below. Anyway, we're, yeah, waff- okay. we're waffling on now. That'll, that name will come <laughs> to me at 1 a.m. tonight. But um, Yeah, I'm sure it'll come to me as well. I, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Not, uh, not right now. That's going to annoy me. Um, I was going to say, one of the things that I can't remember if it was reported before he signed, he, the announcement came out that he signed or afterwards, but someone said that he might have, Shaki we're talking about, might have played centre-half back and sort of got him into the mix. So I'm wondering if that also factored into the output if he was given more of a defensive pillar, but who knows? Do you remember, do you remember hearing that comment? Or? Yeah, I did hear about that. I, I think it would be a bit silly if he was playing centre-half back, though. Yeah. But yeah, and even... Even if he was playing centre half back to only get six possessions, wouldn't be great yeah. either way. So I get the idea yeah, to get him involved, yeah. but I feel like you'd do that. You'd put him on a wing because he's a pretty on a wing, yeah, yeah, like the sort of Matthew Richardson wing mm-hmm. role that was Rewalt type role, yeah, yeah, because he's got a good tank and yeah gets up and down the ground. But um, yeah. Um, anything else you want to add for this episode before we wrap it up? No, just. Glad we've got a win on the board and we can bask in that for the whole week. Yeah, we've got six or seven more days left to enjoy it. So we do have Port Adelaide coming off a loss, a bad loss. Big actually. loss too. Yeah, that was surprising. Very bad loss. Um, so not too hopeful of a repeat victory backing it up at Adelaide Oval, but um, hope for the best. And I did see a stat after the, the game on Saturday night when Port Adelaide lost by 70 points that... They're actually the only team in the AFL now that hasn't beaten another team in the top eight. Mm. So well, we were able to beat Freo. They were in the top eight at the time. So Port Adelaide's one of those funny sides. I, I think if you give them a sniff, they can play some of the best footy in the AFL. Yeah, but at the same sure. time, if they're off a bit, they're gettable to anyone. So they're going to be hungry coming off a, a pretty woeful performance. But... Mm. At the same time, if we can bring that same sort of energy that we did on Saturday night, who knows? Yeah, Port are huge, is a huge confidence team. Big oh, yeah. downhill skiers, if you ask me. What do you call them? Flat oh, track bullies. downhill skiers. This is the word I was looking for. But um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully get another win next week. But um, until then, see you later, mate. Thanks, Gags.